welcome to the FBC Global Church Podcast. I'm Scott McManigal, and uh, in this episode, I've got a, a couple that uh, many here at FBC know, Curtis and Michelle Thompson, and it's, uh, let's see, Curtis, I think last time we had you on was, was it 2020, or? I think it was, yeah, right during the pandemic or something. Um, right in there 20 20 sometime yeah right right so um god's been continuing to do some amazing things through reborn community church uh where you guys are ministering there garfield park in inner city chicago and and so give us a bit of an update of just where things are at and some of the things that God's doing through Reborn there in the community. Tell us about a little bit about the community and the people that you are you are reaching and the things that you encounter on a regular basis. <clears throat> yeah, so um, for those that, that, that haven't uh, been introduced to our ministry, we're in the inner city of Chicago, um, right, right in the, the west side uh, named Garfield Park. Uh, Garfield Park is a, uh, has been for a long time, a community that um, a lot of people drive around, a lot of people ignore, um, live their life without having to recognize the realities that sin and hurt and suffering are extremely um magnified in Garfield Park. It's a neighborhood that is gang, drug, and prostitution ridden. Um, sin is everywhere. And I, I, I know sin is, is often around us and um, we often uh, experience or see it, but it, it's, it's very blatant and, and unhidden. It's not behind closed doors in Garfield Park. It's, it's right in front of you. Um, the things that um, we see in movies a lot of times can be uh, very different to, to see it up close and in person. We've um, experienced gunshots and, and those type of things regularly around the house um, and uh, prostitution and drugs on the block of the church and our home and all that kind of stuff. So that's the type of community it is. We, we came into Garfield Park Oh, it's over it's like 16 years ago now or, or so. Um, my memory serves me correctly. And, uh, you know, the idea was to just become part of the community, to um, shine the light of Christ wherever and however we could, and to figure out ways to build bridges between a church that has for a long time been very religious, but without Christ, just religion, and, uh, and what the, the church is and what Christ can be for them. Um, so that's what we've been doing for the last several years. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people over-dramatize or over-romanticize urban missionary work and they think it sounds exciting and adventurous and fun and I think maybe missions in general 
right? It's it's exciting at the beginning and two decades into it, you begin to wonder, you know, it becomes just a little bit more challenging. And our community, we have people who really struggle with addictions, addictions of all kinds. It's hard to break cycles of generational um, poverty and generational abuse patterns and we've really had to lean into the power of Christ that there really isn't anything we can do humanly to break cycles of sin we need the Lord's power we need the Lord to move and work in their lives and what we've done is is try to build bridges we live in a community as minorities our community is 98% African-American although Recently, gentrification across the city has made it a little more diverse in that we're seeing a very large Hispanic population. Um, but, you know, 2020 with racial riots and unrest in our country, shining light on different hurts and pains that people feel, it, it just means building that bridge of, of love and reaching across hurt with the love of Christ. And for us, that means having an open home. So we are regularly housing teenagers or kids. We do a lot of work with within our home. Um, and I think that's kind of the most powerful work for me is that we get to build relationships with people and love them and go through life with them. And I think that's a powerful thing. It's a hard thing in our community. Um, but God has been so faithful to us and we can really see, we can really see his work. Yeah. So I, I can just imagine, I mean, I've been there to visit you all and visit the church uh, a few years ago. Um, and I can just imagine the, just the level of just um, distrust that must exist, you know, just typically in the community between, you know, people that live there and you guys being, you know, a white family moving in and, you know, to be a part of this church. And so what, uh, what are some of the things that the church has done to build trust and build rapport in the community? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we have seen some major walls uh, when, when we moved into the community and, you know, you still run into new people that you, you haven't ran into before. And uh, there's a lot of uh, racial walls um, that people have. There's a lot of, um, we have, we have a mixed family. We have adopted um, different races into our family. So that, that creates some, some feelings in, in people and some, um, challenges in itself and uh then there's the the barrier of what the church has been in a lot of african-american communities and especially in our community which has really been a a religious hub but not like i said before not a not a a place where you get to know and build a relationship with with jesus um we have a we have a lot of people that are very churched but don't have a relationship mm -hmm. with with Christ. I think one of the things we started doing was we just started meeting needs. So every Saturday we open the door and, and we're just a place of safety for our community. There aren't really any coffee shops or sit down restaurants um, 
I think we just have a white castle now. It's not really like a safe or nice place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we realized, you know, people just want to have a place to have a cup of coffee and sit and and that's a very safe place for people who are weary of church um, to just come and hear the Lord and be ministered to. That's kind of our, our front door ministry. And then from that, we can invite them to church. We can invite them to one of our classes. We offer anger management, substance abuse support. Um, and so in meeting needs, um, in meeting needs for after school and surrounding children with tutoring support, we're able to offer something tangible and real, something practical. And then from that, we build open doors to share about the greatest need that we all have, which is our need for a savior. Um, and in the city, and I'm sure it might be true everywhere, but we have found that respect isn't given from a position, it, it's given through relationship. You really have to do the time in order to invest, you know, they say people will care how much you know when they know how much you care. And that is very true in the city. You, you've got to, you've got to show that you care first. Um, and we do that through letting their teenagers live with us when home isn't a safe option for the weekend and sitting with the kid whose mom is running late because she had to work a second shift and she can't pick her kid up at five o'clock for after school. So they come home with us and they stay till 10 and we feed them dinner and we help them find places to wash their clothes and we encourage them to do their reading. We do homework with them. So I think in meeting those tangible needs, which can be exhausting and expensive, <laughs> but it, it enables us to come in to serve. And I think serving people disarms a lot of fear and anger um, I'm not here to teach you anything. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to serve and love you. Um, so that's really the posture we've taken. You know, we're not coming in and telling everybody what to do in this community. It's, it's we're going to come in humbly and we're just going to open our doors and love you and meet needs wherever God allows us to. Um, so I think that's one of our, our greatest things. And I know Curtis you know, he's a white guy, but honestly, he grew up in the city. Mm. There's just, I don't know how exactly he speaks kind of this city code. Which <laughs> I growing up in Front Royal do not have. <laughs> so he has, it's really interesting. He connects instantly with people from the city. They instantly recognize this inherent cityness. I don't know even what it is. <laughs> But he, he has that beautiful gift of really being able to connect and instantly with people from the city. They, they insist that he's Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's, well, that's, a, that's a great testimony, you know, that you can, you know, uh, fit in and build such rapport and relationships with folks that, you know, they view you as being an insider, even though your skin, you know, colors says otherwise. And that's amazing. Uh, so all that you've been doing to build rapport and to show love. And so how has, how, how has this, how has God used this to give you opportunities to, to reach people? You know, the one person who comes to mind is a, a kid named D'Angelo. Um, so we met D'Angelo through our children's ministry work, and uh, we 
he had a friend who was coming who was really impacted through our ministry and his friend invited him to come, but scheduling prevented him from coming to the children. So he, we said, you know what, you can just jump into our youth program. He was a young man, he's in middle school and he started coming when I think he was in sixth grade. Um, and then through middle school and on through high school, he just graduated this past year. We saw just the Lord pull at his heart. His father passed away. Our church was able to surround him. Um, and he kept coming back to the Lord and he kept coming back and wrestling with the truth of God and with the gospel. And um, his salvation as a junior in high school was amazing. You could tell that he had thought about it. It was, it meant something to him. Um, and this is years of ministry and family work and home visits. And he lived with mentors at different times in our church. And um, our, our kids and our youth, they have a lot of pain, a lot of hurt already in such a short amount of time. Um, but his, his coming to the Lord was, was beautiful. And he was baptized um, this past year. And it was just incredible. I, I loved it. We've had two baptisms at our church um, that really stick out in my mind. We've had more than two, but there's two that stick out in my mind. One was Elizabeth, who was an older African-American woman. She was saved in prison. She came out of prison and she was looking for a church. And we were a storefront church right underneath her apartment. She's like, the Lord answered. So she came <laughs> down and, and, you know, she heard the word and then she went back to her boyfriend and said, you better marry me or move out. And he said, oh, okay. And, you know, they got married and, and her baptism as she, you know, had given her life to the Lord. It was so beautiful. Um, and D'Angelo's reminded me of that when he was sharing his testimony of just a changed and transformed life, which is just a glory to God. Um, and you can, you can pray for D'Angelo. He graduated from high school, which is a huge accomplishment for a young man from the West Side. That is a huge, a huge blessing that he, we walked him through the process of getting financial aids and college visits. And one of our, our youth mentors and one of our pastors drove him to college. We got him everything that he needed from Target to go to college, you know, the bed sheets and the little mirrors and the shower caddies, you know. When you don't have a family, there's a lack and a loss there. So our church represents that family for a lot of people. And, and so, um, and then of course, we're like, you got to be in church. So we went and investigated churches in the community and, and he's been going and faithful and found a church that um, he can grow and thrive in and that can support him. So these are long, long journeys with people long journeys, um, but so powerful. I wish they all had that ending. They don't, but yeah. God is. <laughs> right. Amen. Yeah, well, and then, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to add, you know, to, to build a relationship because it's all connected to relationship to build a relationship. We have different things that we do to, to start relationships, simple little acts of service, working with their kids, um, building relationships in those ways, but it's really a, a long-term commitment to walk with somebody that really and gives them the opportunity to see your love for them and to make changes in their life. And they could see Christ 
um, through that. So it's uh, definitely not a not a, a mass uh, revival, but it's one person at a time that that uh, we're able to love and walk with. Yeah. Yeah. So two things about reborn church um, that just really amazed me is uh, first is what we're talking about right now, just the way that the church loves the unlovable. Um, I mean, you guys are just loving people that are very hard to love. And, and uh, I just, you know, that, that was, I mean, all the places I've been, all the churches I've been with all around the world, never, ever have anywhere have I seen a church so manifesting the love of God, the community like Reborn does. I mean, just, I'm, I'm blown away by that. And um, it's, it's awesome. Uh, the second thing is, is the rapport that the church has built with the public school down the street and the rapport, the relationship that you have. And like, when you just look at the big picture, man, you can just really see God's hand and just strategically placing you where he's placed you, using you the way that he's used you and the opportunity you have to intercept kids like D'Angelo before they head down the same path of so many, you know, in the community. And so tell our folks about your relationship with the school down the street and, and, um, just how God's using you all there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's been we we uh, tried for a lot of years to build a relationship, and then we started to think through what type of things can help us um, really know and 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 help the school. So we started to look into like how we can support them, how we can show them that we care for them. Um, not just the kids, but the teachers, the principal. Uh, how can we strategically partner with them um, by building a relationship kind of with, at first, a very closed door? Um, so there definitely was a, a lot of prayer and God opening some doors for us to get in. But it was also a lot of strategic um, ways of helping. We have had missions teams come in to help us and we connected them to the school to repaint inside um, to do other projects for the school we've um, been able to to uh, have staff go in uh, on on a regular basis to work with with students and to uh, help them with with areas that they're really lacking in help in this in the school there's a lot of kids that have experienced trauma and difficult things and um we have had many of our staff members trained in trauma therapy and we've been able to use that gift to, to walk with um kids that are really going through a, a really hard time in the school and, and there's been a lot of the testimony of the kids at the teachers and the principal sees and they're like we need you in here more we need you in here more um, was really um, built on top of uh, each other. These these mm -hmm. uh, interactions and these these acts of love. Michelle um, works a lot more closely with the school and can even share a little more on how we how we got in there and how we've been able to do that. But I'm I'm con constantly amazed 
um, at what God's doing there and how it continues to grow mm-hmm. uh, in a time where the church is not supposed to be in mm-hmm. a public school or mm-hmm. uh, there's supposed to be some separation where God is not allowed and, and God is uh, open those doors. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think when you come in anywhere and you come in with humility and just an attitude of, you know, what do you need and how can I help? Um, and asking that question before assuming is really important. Um, so we went to the school and we just simply asked, what do you need? Um, and then we met that need, whether it was school supplies or book bags or uh, working with kids from hard places. Um, and we just began to do that. I would say one of the greatest things that opened the door for us was the testimony of the kids we worked with. We tend to grab hold of kids with uh, zero to no parental support or family structure, um, kids that would not necessarily fold in and do well in other programs or after school programs. Um, they tend to be on the outside or the outskirts. Um, I would use words like feral, street children, no parental guidance, um, violent, really struggling. Uh, we tend to grab hold of, and the Lord has blessed us with those children. And um, it was our work with those children and seeing their behavioral changes within the classroom um, that was a testimony to the teachers and began to open up doors like, hey, wait a minute. I'm not really sure what you're doing, but can you come into my classroom? Could you give me a hand with this kid? Um, And because there is sometimes a lack of family structure, we would take the calls. Hey, this kid is throwing up. I need him to be picked up. We'll come get him. We'll take him for the day. Um, I'm having behavioral concerns with this kiddo. Uh, Can you come sit with him? He's he's running around the school and he won't listen to anyone. Um, So we just began to respond to those. And then our testimony and the relationships that we built within the community to support families um, and to support children, that testimony of love opened doors and that we were humble. We, you know, we continually ask, what do you need? We don't assume that we know everything. There are a lot of strengths in our community. There's a lot of people with a lot of knowledge, a a lot of um, strengths. And so we don't want to just say, oh, we know exactly what you need. We're coming in and we've got a plan, you know, and it's, it's been a combination of those factors that, that have led to really this beautiful relationship where we have a support raised missionary um, and she spends four days a week in the school and then runs our after school program um, and really provides a lot of that care. We had we just had one of our interns. Uh, she was with us for a summer and, and loved it so much. She went home and she raised support to come on 18 months with us. And that's in her job description that you're gonna continue to serve in the school. And um, it's a huge testimony as well to the teachers we've built relationships with. And so Reborn is blessed. We're very respected um, within the community and particularly because of our, our work in trauma informed care um, and working with children who really need a lot of care and love. <laughs> so, and I and in general, how do you God? <laughs> What's that? I, saying, I think it's, it's not necessarily maybe a testimony. Yes, it's just a testimony of, of the Lord, of, you know, that love that comes from the Lord. You know, it's hard to love unlovable people, but when we do it 
to the least of these, we recognize that we're doing it as unto the Lord himself. And that motivator, right? That's the motivation. Not that you're going to look back and say, oh, you're so great. Thank you. Right. It's that love for the Lord that, that we love the Lord. And we want others to know him and find healing in him. Right. Well, you're, you're loving people that nobody else loves, you know, and like when you look at the, when you look at the life and ministry of Jesus through the gospels, you know, you know, the ones, you know, one of the things it says about him every time, you, if you notice, every time he goes to another region, one of the first things it says, and Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on the people and, you know, healed the sick and cast out demons and, you know, all that stuff. And like he, he was loving the, you know, the outcasts of society, you know, in that day and age, people that had disease were viewed as being cursed by God and they were ostracized and, and, you know, often criticized. And, and those were the ones that Jesus was revealing the love of God to, and that God was using to become a witness of who Jesus really was, you know, they were the ones that he was using to prove who, who Jesus really was. And, yeah. and so I see a lot of similarities between, you know, his ministry and, and the way that, you know, reborn church is being used there in that community. Uh, in, in the beginning, uh, back when we first began, uh, Michelle made the comment that a lot of people view inner city ministry, urban ministry as being exciting um from a mission standpoint i mean i've you know as you know annette and i were we were missionaries in thailand for many years and so i i mean I've had a lot of experience in missions and with missions and missions mindset and all that kind of stuff my experience has been that it's a whole lot easier for overseas missionaries to be find support and be supported financially than it is for people that are ministering in the U.S. and especially in a place where there's already a bunch of churches. And um, so, what uh, what what's your support like? Are you supported well? Under supported? What what are your what are your needs on a monthly basis? Mm. Yeah, I definitely. Um, we've been doing this for a, a while um and we've talked to a lot of different churches and and uh i would say that fellowship is definitely unique in where their um, desire to work with uh, missionaries that are working in places where they they grew up where they were born and supporting them is is a huge um it's a huge thing a lot of churches that we've talked to we don't fit their paradigm of what they with what they support and 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 that's that's fine um but it, it does definitely make it difficult i think a lot of times people don't see uh, stateside missions as a mission field in the same way um it's kind of something you can do bivocationally um something that you can do um after hours or you know it's not not as big of a deal and uh living in Garfield Park for the last um, 16 years and just seeing the community. And I mean, there's just so much more to do. 
Uh, we are we haven't even been able to crack the surface on. There's so many people compact in this community with a deficit, a huge deficit of sin and and hurt that um, only Christ can answer. Only Christ can um, redeem. And so and that's why we're here. That's why we see it as a huge mission field. Um, we have we have had a lot of ups and downs with support throughout the years. Um, we've had times where um, checks uh, have definitely been missed and um, God has grown our faith. And then we have been, had times where um, God has, has really um, blessed us in ways that we weren't expecting. So it's been it's been a uh, constant journey of of going back to God and you you put us on this path you have us here um, we're gonna trust you um, we've seen this last year um, you know with with the economy and everything that's been going on um, summers usually dip that's pretty normal so we usually um, build up a reserve throughout the year to to last through summer but we've seen this year really um dip and then not come back up and that's that's been another point where we're we're trusting god and we're we're asking him what do you what do you want us to do how do you want us to move forward um how how can we um lean on you here you are our provider we trust you um but you know having a a family of seven and and living in the city it's very different than other missions where uh a low um amount of support is enough we're in an expensive city to be honest um mm -hmm. it it just it is it is what it is it, chicago i mean we're experiencing it all over the country but gas prices uh cost of living it's just going up and up and up and uh yeah i would say right now we're at about 50 percent of support so you know i think there's a great need right now um we have probably about 30 really faithful donors um the average giving is about 50 dollars a month and you know i think it's one of the things with mission work, you want to do mission work, but it's that support raising that gets you, you know, and I think that's always where it's just that, that leaning on faith. And I think two decades in, and you, you really feel got to dig deep and be faithful to what God has called you to do. Um, so support is always on a missionary's mind. It's what enables us to keep our doors open and house teenagers and, feed kids and run programs. Um, we don't have an oversight missionary uh, agency. So all of the donated donations, just they come to us. We don't put the burden of paying its pastors on our church. Our church is comprised of uh, people that really can't, they financially give, but we would not put the burden of our, our support on our congregation. And I think that makes sense overseas. People recognize that. They recognize that a church in, in Thailand or Africa or India, you know, they might not be able to bear financially the burden of supporting their pastor. That same reality exists in small inner city communities in Chicago, 
where I'm living on government assistance and and I'd love to give you something, but all my money's tied up on my link card, you know? So I think sometimes we forget in the States that those same poverty barriers that exist overseas, they exist here as well. Um, and we're reaching people from very dark, deep places where we're, we're struggling to get them off of crack. So tithing is, you know, lesson number 72. First, let's be sober. Let's live free for the Lord. You got to get get your anger out and let's figure out how to how to live free from drugs so while we teach biblical principles of tithing and giving sometimes that's not it's not the first lesson <laughs> that comes later right. so yeah <laughs> yeah amen so i know that i know the answer to this question and but i'll ask it anyway uh just for our listeners sake um so when I visited there, I mean, we're driving, you know, from O'Hare into the inner city where you are. And I mean, driving down a lot of the streets. And then while we were there, Curtis, you, you know, you put us in your van and drove us around and just showed us the, the community. And I saw a lot of churches. Mm. So with the number of churches that exist in, you know, in, in the city of Chicago, why why does there need to be a missionary family there yeah well i mean first we we believe very heavily in the church that's why we started a church we didn't start mm -hmm. a house where we're ministering to people as a as a couple we started a church with a group of people that were like-minded because we believe god um, has purpose in the church to do amazing things mm -hmm. so we believe in the church the the challenge and yeah you're right we live our our house we are right next door to a church there are uh, churches on corner after corner after corner and uh i think uh, a huge reality and i mentioned it before is there's is is a our community is very religious especially the older generations but it is not is not salvation it's not relationship with christ we see churches that are barely open on sundays not not throughout the week not available for people when people need it mm -hmm. the sunday morning thing isn't enough and uh a lot of the churches just do sunday mornings or they do once a month um so it's it's a there's a lot of church buildings um religious centers but the availability and, and the meeting the needs of the community that you limit, you kind of limit a lot of those churches. You, you, we're not talking about all of them now. Now we're talking about a handful in the West side. And then if you think about how many people actually live in Garfield Park, which is a pretty small community, there are so many people and you know how our community is set up, it's apartment buildings. So you have family on top of family on top of family. And sometimes many families live, several families living in the same apartments together, mm -hmm. same on cost. So there's just a, a great need for discipleship, not just religion. And uh, the churches aren't discipling. They're not um, building relationships and walking with people through all the right. difficulties towards Christ and a deep, meaningful relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so the, the reason why sometimes I'm, I, I wonder, so God, why, 
you know, why would you put us here? seems like there's obstacles, there's hindrances and barriers to be uh, church and to be white. Um, but sometimes I think, when I think about it, like, man, God really wanted things that reborn to stand out. Mm. Stand out is different. Not the mm. regular, not what people have experienced in religion, not what people have experienced um, when, when talking about um, Christianity. But something very different, so that it would it would stand out and it'd be, it'd be grab people's attention. And we've seen that um, we have been, you know, kind of identified as we're not fitting in with the rest of the churches. We're right. Very, very different. Very um, standalone in in what we do and how we do it. Yep. Yeah, no, the way the way I see you guys is is the same reason why God led us to the northern Pokhoran people in Thailand. There's all kinds of churches in Thailand. Bangkok is full of churches. There's tons and tons of national churches in Thailand, but none of them were reaching the northern Pokhoran. None of them, you know, sent sent somebody up to live in a northern Pokhoran village and learn their language and their culture and you know, present the gospel in their own heart language. And, and, and I think that's exactly what God is doing through you all through reborn that, you know, yeah, there's a lot of churches there. But like you said, they're not building rapport, they're not building relationship. Um, you know, I, I, I think they, the way that they function, and I'm not trying to be overly critical here, but I'm just trying to make a point of how you guys are different is that, you know, when you're a church and you come across, like, clean up your life, and then you can come be a part of us, you know, or you're communicating, hey, come as you are, we're here, we love you, you know, um, there is like, just like in your last newsletter, you know, the Michaela, the, the lady that's living on the blue line, trying to get rest, you know, her comment to you was, you know, I'm not clean. I can't, you know, I can't come to church. And your comment to her was, you don't need to be, you know, just come in the blood of Christ will, will cleanse you. And, and like, that's the difference. That's why you're there. Even though there's a bunch of churches is because this is what these people need. They need people who, who are willing to get their hands dirty, people that are willing to get down on their level and, and go and and take this baby from a barbershop whose mother is ready to head out to a hotel somewhere you know people that are willing to do that and yeah yeah i think just because that's why you're there yeah just because it's a church building and it doesn't imply the presence of god right you know we we're very strategic with we teach the gospel we are strong theology matters it matters that we know god's word so teaching god's word and, and remaining firm in his truth you know those are things that maybe other churches aren't as strong in um creating relational kind of creating an experience a religious experience is very paramount um and we we believe that a religious experience is you know is also needs to be with a firm foundation of truth and and teaching people truth and theology that's different that's a very different approach and 
Um, I mean, our church is really unique. We have families that come in and, and come out of the community and they come into the community for church and, and sit. And then just this past Sunday, we had a lady who had been coming into overflow and she, which is our open door ministry on Saturday, uh, serving primarily addicts and homeless. Um, and she came in for a cup of coffee and found her way over to the service. And, you know, we've had homeless people clipping their toenails right during the middle of service. And, you know, ladies who are trying to, you know, get off drugs and they're coming off a high and they're spilling coffee everywhere. And, and then Curtis with the mop helps, them, you know, get it sorted. There's just a lot going on on a Sunday service. And I think it's just representative of how we want to be a church that is available. Um, and if that's the safe place where you need to have a comfortable seat to get those toenails clipped and you're also hearing the word of God and the truth of the gospel, I think, you know, I think that's a powerful thing. Um, mm -hmm. And it makes our Amen. church a little unique. <laughs> I brought yeah. a... I brought a young man out to a fellowship with me last missions conference named Tank. And part mm -hmm. of his testimony is he was looking for a church. He went to a few and was really didn't feel comfortable because um, how he the what he had to wear and what they verbally told him they expected. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wasn't coming wow. in. Um, he wasn't showing his best, yep. his physical outside best. And then um, he found Reborn through his brother who was in one of our programs and just found a completely different thing. We're not expecting your outward. We want your heart to come in to know Christ. We want you to have a relationship with him. We, we purposely don't wear suits ourselves and things like that because we want people to feel comfortable coming in as they are um so we we dressed down a bit and and just uh so that they can they can know that what you're wearing how you look on the outside whether you're able to have a shower is not what god values he he wants your heart mm -hmm. he wants your a relationship with you he wants to redeem every piece of you mm -hmm. and uh and that's not that's not on the physical that's more on the inside and I know we know that, but I think a lot of times, and especially a lot of churches, not all the churches, but a lot of churches in our community um, value that what how we how we look and how we present ourselves over um, what we're dealing with and or what our needs are uh, on the inside. Yeah, Amen. So Curtis, you and one of your kids, you're going to be here at FBC uh, October 9th through around the 20th or something like that. Um, we'll be highlighting your ministry, um, on Sunday, the 16th, uh, you'll also be meeting with a few community groups, uh, during their time here and, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, just wanting to give our listeners, uh, you know, letting everyone be aware that you're going to be here and you're here for the purpose of, you know, trying to engage, you know, more with our body and, and really you know, give us an update and, and give our body the opportunity to be, you know, partner with you guys and be used by God in this, you know, really, really important ministry that you guys are doing there in, in Garfield Park. And so, um, you know, and, and looking forward to the time when you're going to come here and, 
and, and all and, and just your ministry needs and all, what would be the, some of the main prayer requests that you would like to leave with folks? Um, well, yeah, so I, I, uh, I'm going to come out. I'd love to, to talk to or engage with whoever wants to hear more about Reborn and is interested in, in what we're doing and what God is doing, um, which is, which is way bigger than what we could, we could accomplish. Um, I really, I really want, you know, sometimes when we are connected to missions, it's, it's a loose connection. We get, um, the, you know, you guys do a great job of communicating, um, what's going on in the mission field, but sometimes it's just, it's nice to be able to get in face to face with people and, uh, let them know and have conversations about what God is doing. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really interested in, in building, um, on relationships that we have with a lot of people and, and building some new relationships, um, connecting. We, we value so much the <clears throat> prayer support that we get from um, people at Fellowship, and uh, we want people to know what's going on. We want those prayer warriors behind us, and uh, so mm -hmm. I'm excited to come out and just be able to to share that, share our needs, um, share mm -hmm. what God's doing, and uh, I'm going to be there for about two weeks, so uh, yeah, I'd love to mm -hmm. get together with people as well. Yeah, I mean, I think our biggest prayer need at the moment is support. I think, you know, it takes it takes a lot of people to support missionaries. We can't do it mm -hmm. alone. While we're here physically doing the work, we need investors who believe in what we're doing and feel that this is, you know, valuable to the kingdom. And um, I know many people, you know, they love what we're doing. It resonates. They see the power of God. But you know, we need people behind us who will commit to financially supporting us monthly and um, enabling us to continue to do the work God has called us to do and in, in building his church here in this hard place um, and prayer support. And, and you need that base of people who are going to support you. It's frontline work. It's challenging. It's, it can be very draining right, and, and very overwhelming to continue to give and give to a population that is very challenging, very cold, um, and so to have, to have that support base is essential. It's what keeps missionaries on the field, um, and that's our prayer and our hope for the next, you know, we've done it for two decades. We've seen God's provision. We'd like to do it for another two more decades, um, but that's, but that's a collective effort of all of us saying yes and and committing to do that. So, I mean, I think that's our, our main need right now. We're at 50% support. Um, we need to, mm -hmm. we need the Lord to provide. Yep. Amen. Well, let me pray for you guys quick and, uh, and then we will, we'll hop off here and, um, yeah, just want to thank our listeners for tuning in and, uh, uh, would encourage everyone to be looking forward to the time when Curtis will be here and and uh, will be sharing and uh, and for us to all as a body just continue to hold them up before the throne of grace and just pray for God's leading and guidance and continued divine intervention. So yeah, let me let me pray for you guys. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this time. Thank you for Curtis and Michelle and their family. Thank you for um just the work that you've done in and through them and just bringing them to the place where they're willing to 
sacrifice of uh, uh, life in a, in a more comfortable, appealing place, um, give up their, their, their preferences to, to reach a people that are very, very hard to love, that no one else loves, um, but who are just extremely needy and are just uh, I, I think of the description of um, that you gave Jonah of the Ninevites of this people that are just living in darkness and don't know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. And um, Lord, that's 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 that community. They're just um, just trying to survive, um, uh, abusing um, one another. Um, fighting uh, uh, and devouring one another uh, in order to, to survive. And, and Lord, we just thank you for the way that you've raised up Reborn Community Church. Thank you, God, for just their heart and, and the rapport and the relationship that they have built in the community with people, with the school. Thank you for the wisdom you've given them and just how to live in such a way, like even even how to dress for church that it would just be in a way that would make people feel comfortable and, and coming and being a part of the church. And, and Lord, we just, we just pray that you would continue to pour out your grace upon them, that you would continue to lead and guide and direct them. Lord, that you would continue to work in hearts and prepare hearts for the gospel, uh, bring people to yourself. Um, we just pray that you would just continue to use them mightily there in, in that community. Um, Lord, we continue to pray for the kids that they reach, um, that they interact with at the school down the street. Lord, that um, you would just continue to give them the opportunity to just intercept these kids at this strategic time of their life um, before they drop school and, and start heading down the wrong path. And uh, so many of them just come from just such broken, dysfunctional families. And um, Lord, we just, we pray for your divine intervention. And, and Lord, lastly, just, we just pray for Curtis and Michelle, uh, just their monthly financial support. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would see fit to just raise up the support that they need to be able to um, just have all their needs met on a monthly basis. So that could just become one less concern that they have every month of of where their finances are going to come from to meet the needs of their family and their ministry. And so, Lord, we just uh, thank you for them. Thank you for giving us as a church the privilege of, of partnering with them. And uh, we just hold them up before the throne of grace and, and just uh, pray for your provision. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, thank you.